And welcome back into another episode of the Inside Slant here on KTGR.com. I'm BK, your host as always, and uh, he was one of our first guests here on the show. He's now going to be our last guest here on the Inside Slant as I'm uh, leaving KTGR tomorrow. Friday the 15th will be my final day here at KTGR. I wanted to get this up, though, before I got out of here. We're talking to Therese Paler. He, of course, is the Kansas City Chiefs beat writer for the Kansas City Star. You can find his work there and on KansasCity.com. And Therese, you're doing a podcast now, Sports Beat KC. It's been outstanding. You can hear about the grown-ass man of the week. Therese, how you doing today, man? I'm great. Thanks for the plug, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, hey, it's awesome. Uh, the, the Sports Beat KC podcasts in general are good, but... I mean, the Chiefs one's outstanding. You've had some good stuff in the offseason as well with a bunch of guys talking about uh, – there was one with just kind of looking over some of the rookies. You had one on Marcus Peters that was awesome. Uh, it, it's been really good stuff, man. I've enjoyed it. I appreciate that, man. I think, uh, you know, you can appreciate podcasts. You know, I'm, I'm 32, but I'm still – like, I'm obviously young enough to understand, like, where this thing is going. And people want the news about their favorite teams when they want it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like – at their fingertips, and they want it specific on their teams. You know this. Um, you know, I think I think that's why newspapers have to be flexible about what we do, and really go to all kinds of measures to kind of cater to people. And that's what that podcast has been about. You know, and I appreciate those words from you. And you know, I've gotten a good reaction, so it's something we'll keep doing. It's good stuff, man. I I recommend that for any Chiefs fans and NFL fans in general, just because it's it's good stuff. So. Uh, we're talking a lot of drafts today. Um, I want to start kind of big picture, and then we'll work into some of the more specifics. I want to get into guys you like and don't like. We'll get into that in a little bit. But uh, I want to start with kind of a premise question that I have about this draft for the Chiefs, Therese. And it might sound oversimplifying this, and it might sound kind of sports hacky radio type of question. You can tell me if that's the case. But I, I think the Chiefs have to make a determination like now or, or, or even previously before they can kind of go into this draft with any sort of model for what they're going to do. And that question is, are we a championship team now? I, I think they are. I think they are they were close enough last year to say, hey, this is a team that's not far away. We really can win this thing if things break our way. But if the answer to that question is no, then I think it completely changes the way that I have an outlook on this draft. Do you, do you agree with that basic premise of going into this draft with that kind of a mindset one way or the other? So maybe I'm taking the question too literally, not to borrow a phrase from Sam Mellinger, fantastic <laughs> columnist, but okay, so are you asking could they – could they potentially win a Super Bowl with this team without any draft picks as it currently stands? Is that what you're asking? So no, because I think that's a different question entirely as well. I'm asking if we add a big-time piece that we know can contribute this year if he comes in, then this is a championship team. Because I think that's then you're looking at some guys that are different than would be otherwise on your board. Are they a contender, basically, is what you're asking. Right. I think, yes, I do think that they're a contender. I think one of the moves that, and maybe I haven't done a good job explaining this to people, but, I mean, I've written two stories about the guy. The signing of Mitchell Schwartz is huge. (laughs) That guy is good. Like, Mitchell Schwartz can play. Right tackle, natural feet, outstanding technician. In today's NFL, you've got to be able to protect the edges on offense, particularly the offensive line, okay? And in the AFC West, most of the good pass rushers are coming off that right side. The Chiefs just added one of the best right tackles in football. 
And that's going to elevate the play of the right guard because what that does is, you know, that gives somebody steady and, 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 a, and a Pro Bowl caliber talent next to Laurent Duvernay to Hardis, provided he's a starter. But that also does something else that brings Ja Reed, that moves him to left guard, potentially, or right guard, or whatever they decide to do. But Ja Reed is a better guard than a tackle, in my opinion. He's a big guy, 6'7". So now, Brandon, you look at this offensive line, this is a big line, dude. Fisher, 6'7". Ja Reed, 6'7". Mitch Morse, 6'5". Tardif, 6'5". Mr. Schwartz, 6'5". That's a big line, dude. And that's assuming that's the line, that's my projected line right now. But anyway, you know, I think this is going to give them ability to pass a little more and be a little more daring. And more importantly, it gives Alex Smith some peace of mind. Remember he had the, the, the ruptured spleen a year ago because he took so many hits. And he got hit a lot last year until they gave him more control of the offense. Here's my point. That's a big move, and they retained a lot of their own key free agents. Whenever you do that and you reach the divisional round, yeah, man, yeah, you're a contender. And I don't know how long that window's going to be open. One year, two years, just kind of depends. But, yes, they absolutely have to hit on this pick, but they can absolutely draft somebody in the back end of the first round that's going to be able to help them immediately. They should do that. That's what good teams do. Green Bay has been competitive for a long time by just picking off good players at the end of the first round. Same thing for the Ravens last year notwithstanding. See, I agree with you, and the reason why I think that's so important is because I'm a big fan of guys like Paxton Lynch. I think I don't necessarily know that he's going to be there anymore, but let's say he did fall. I think if you're in a different place as a team, you maybe take him. If you are in a different place as a team, you might take Jalen Smith if he falls to you at 28 but if this is where you are, if you really are a contender right now, and we both seem to agree on that, then I don't think those guys are necessarily in the play for this year because you need somebody that can help you in the here and in the now. Do you agree with that? That's probably true. I wouldn't go on. I wouldn't go with Jalen Smith, even though I love him, just because he's an inside linebacker, and that's a position I learned my lesson last year. I love Derek Kendricks, but teams I've learned this. General managers and teams from the Ted Thompson lineage don't place the same value on inside linebackers as other teams. They'll get them later. So, you know, Jalen Smith's an inside linebacker in a three-four scheme. I don't think he's a, I don't think he's somebody that you can gamble on. Plus, he's an inside linebacker, which they don't value in the first round. Even though I do love him, um, I think you look at that. You look at Lynch now. I agree with you, but if Andy Reid feels that this guy can play. I'd probably give him the benefit of the doubt on that. He could sit behind Alex Smith for two years. This is a premium talent that you're going to have a chance to develop, and you'll have him cheap for three years after that. You're going to have him cheap for five years, but three years after he sits for behind Alex for presumably two years. That's one of those things where I respect Andy Reid's football knowledge and his history and track record enough as a quarterback's coach to say, okay, if he fell there, which he probably won't, but if he fell there and he loved the talent enough – you know what? Okay, it's defensible. But you're right. If you're trying to win a Super Bowl right now, you probably should grab one of those corners. There's five cornerbacks that i got right now with first-round grades. And some other guys I like, too, that you can maybe reach on a little bit because they've got physical traits. Um, but my, my point is I, I do agree with you. But I will say this. If they, if, if they were to draft Paxton Lynch, which, again, probably won't happen, but you never know. 
because uh, he probably will fall. He probably won't fall. If, if that were to happen, you'd almost, wouldn't you almost have to give Andy Reid the benefit of the doubt on that based on his ability to develop and evaluate quarterbacks? Absolutely, you do. Um, I would just say going into 2016, then it goes back to your your original question of, do you think the roster as is can win a championship? And I think they probably need a couple more pieces with that first and third round pick to be able to do that. Can, but, can I ask? Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Because it's a podcast. Because we can we can have dialogue. Okay. I, <laughs> my, what are the pieces that you think that they needed to add that they need to add right now to win a Super Bowl? Like, what are the pieces you think they they need? Yeah, I think it's a fair question. I I would say you got to have another receiver. I am, I could be wrong here. If Conley develops, like okay, there you go. There's your guy. Um, and then a number two corner. I, I think those are the two big things to me where I would say if you get those two things with your first and third round pick, I'm feeling pretty good about where you are. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Do you agree and with I, that or would you go somewhere else? I think when you're at the end of the first round, and this isn't a cop-out, when you're at the end of the first round, you literally need to take the best player available. Right. Because you know what happens? Every year there's a player or two – end up falling because teams overthink it and the guy can really play. And, you know, you, you have to take, obviously you take the best players. And I think when you're at the end of the first round, you've got a unique opportunity to kind of capitalize on other teams' mistakes. And I would say there's only really a few positions where I wouldn't select in the first round if the guy was the best player available. What are those? Because you know, that was my next team, question for you. So what, yeah, what are yeah, those positions? Sure. Sure, this team is built. This team is built well enough that you you really probably should take the best player at almost any position. Um, I think center obviously is one I wouldn't pick in the first round, even though I really like Ryan Kelly from Alabama. You could justify a guard. You could justify. Ooh, yeah. I don't know if you can justify a tackle in the first round now, even with uh, by signing Mr. Schwartz. You know, Fisher's got that fifth-year option he needs to make a decision on, but, you know, if Eric Fisher is the first-round pick from a few years ago, you know, you would think they would keep him. Uh, tight end, maybe. Receiver, I like your thinking on that. We can hopefully get into those guys a little bit. Yeah, we will. There's some cats with juice that I like. Um, you know, running backs, maybe running back. Um, you know, unless it's like an elite guy like Elliott. You know, there's, there's guys you can always pick up. So I would guess I would say running back. Uh, inside linebacker, that's it. I think any other position, if it's if it, the player is good enough and he's and you legitimately have evaluated him as the best guy, you can justify. That includes safety too. Let me tell you something, man. Carl Joseph can play. Carl Joseph is good, and if you got like a a center field type that can run and hit and cover. You saw what Earl Thomas does for the for the for the Seahawks, you know, and you could say Ron Parker can do some of that for the Chiefs, but you know he's really versatile too, so he can help you out at nickel. My point is, you take the best player and you can probably make it work because they're good everywhere, but they can still use upgrades in a lot of places. What about nose tackle? You didn't mention that, but what, do you think they could afford to take a nose? If the guy can play, in my first two mock drafts, I've had them take an interior lineman. Look, man, they re-signed Jay Howard for two years, and that was good. But let's face it, man, Dontari Poe played through a back problem all last year. Right. He's a physical freak. He's 346 pounds, better athlete than 
you know, the significant portion of the population. That, that's just rare. He's a freak. But he's also going to be a free agent at the end of next year. And you know what? I think it, even though they like Nick Williams, Mike DeVito retired, right? Even though they like Nick Williams, there's still more than enough snaps to go around for another talented interior guy. You can never have enough interior pass rushers. You can't. So I guess I would say if the nose tackle has pass rush ability, yeah, you can justify it because that allows you to rotate guys more, give Poe more rest. And when you give the big fellas more rest, they can bring it, you know, they're going to bring it uh, on an every snap basis. And there's really no excuse not to do that if there's a good rotation going. So, yeah, I, I think you can justify a nose tackle. Let's look at some of these individuals, and I want to start with the corners, Therese, and you, you mentioned them earlier. There's a bunch of good ones in this class. Like I, I really like some of these guys, and I told you last year I had a few man crushes. One of them was uh, Marcus Peters, ended up working out pretty well for the Chiefs. I've got a big man crush on one of these corners, Therese. William Jackson, dude from yeah. Houston, knows for the, know, knows for the ball, will hit you. It can turn and run. He can play bump and run. I I love everything that I've seen from William Jackson. Where are you Where are you on him right now? Love William Jackson. He got a first round grade on him. Uh, good nose for the ball. Always around the ball. Tremendous ball production. We saw how much that matters with Peters, right? Mm-hmm. Like in today's NFL, it's so hard to cover. Just in general, like where you can really do damage is by. Uh, is by turning the ball over. I mean, that's that's really your only defense of being cocky and confident and turning the ball over. You get what I'm saying? Creating turnovers is important. Uh, Jackson's got that ability. Uh, he can track the ball, let the nation and pass his defense. Uh, he showed good footwork in the combine drills, which is important to me. He's, look, he's a little tight through the hips yep. in space. He's a little tight through the hips. And, you know, I can't remember what receiver it was. I think it was uh, Travis Rudolph from Florida State. I saw Travis shake him out of his jock. Oh, man. That was so bad. It was such a good game for him, but that was such a bad Vine moment. (laughs) So so he needs to tackle better, right? Yeah. But I think William Jackson can play. I've got a fifth-round grade on him. I got him as my fifth-best corner. Um, and that's not an indication of – that's not saying I don't like him. I like the guy. I actually really like the guy. Uh, I think he's a cover one, cover three corner who's going to be a good player in this league um, as long as he uh, as long as he can pick up concepts. He's a JUCO transfer, so, you know, that's something you always have to worry about typically. Sometimes JUCO transfers have a hard time picking up concepts. Uh, but, look, man, this is a guy Lewis Riddick is vouched for. I love Lewis. He teaches you about the game every day just on his tweets and everything, and that's that's good enough for me. William Jackson can play. I like him as well. So that, that's the guy at the top of my board. If if you're counting at home, that's my guy. That's that's the one that I'll pound the table for every time he's there. Um, basically, the opposite of William Jackson in terms of ball skills to me is McKenzie Alexander. Dude had no interceptions. He doesn't play the ball particularly well to me. I I liked his tape okay, um, but I wasn't all in on McKenzie Alexander the way that a lot of people are. Did did you agree with my kind of evaluation of him, or were were you somewhere else on McKenzie? I like McKenzie. Okay, um, I actually like him a lot. Superior athlete, uh, feel fast, good quickness, anticipation. Um, he's cocky and very competitive, 
And that's uh, important. We saw that with Peters this year. The issues with McKenzie are, are um, they're tangible. He's not big. He's only 5'10". He's got hamstring issues, too, which is a concern. Um, he also struggled on the blackboard reportedly at the combine, which gives you some pause for concern when it comes to recognizing defensive concepts. Um, I, I do like him, though. The, the, the guy can cover. Like, when you, when you watch him flip his hips, you watch him, you know, he feels fast, and the athleticism is there. Yeah, does the size concern me? Yeah. Does the fact that he'd be the first defensive back to go in the first round with zero career interceptions in 40-something years concern me? Like, yeah. But you watch him play, the man can cover. And his natural cover skills, too, pretty hard to do. I think this is a guy that if you take him, you say, okay, we're going to work with him a little bit in his off-cover skills. We're going to work with him in his own stuff. Or, you know, we're going to work with him in the things he's a little deficient in and then just let him cover. We're going to let the man cover on what he does best. Um, and I think I think that will be the best-case scenario for him. But to be honest, because of the size difference, because of the hamstring issues, I wouldn't be surprised to see William go ahead of him. Did you have uh, Alexander ahead of William Jackson, though, on your board? I do. Okay. But – I do, but it's close. I mean, they've got the exact same grade, which means it's basically a toss-up. I mean, it's the same thing. Um, I put together my rankings based on my my individual opinions and then just, like, information gleaned from, like, draft broadcasts and everything. And, you know, some of it is where what I think, um, you know, I some of it is where I think a guy's like, which guy's going to go first in the league, too. It's not just, like, right. my board. You know what I'm saying? Um, if it was just my board and it was just a fit for the Chiefs, I'd probably have Jackson ahead of him just because he's bigger and he doesn't have the hamstring issues. But um, they got they both got the same grade, so it's almost negligible. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, the other one that kind of is going around in that area in a lot of mock drafts right now is Eli Apple. And I, he's an interesting one to me because he doesn't necessarily flash as much on tape as a guy like William Jackson, but – He's yeah. just a good football player. Like you just watch him and you're like, that's a good corner. I, I don't know what he's gonna be in the NFL. I don't know if he's gonna be a shutdown guy, but I'll take that guy on my team. Uh, d- yeah. did you like Eli? Um honestly William flashed more, but I've got Eli third on my board okay. just because but here's why though, right? Again, this isn't Therese's board. Which is a change from last year because I'm I'm you know, it's not about me, it's about what I think is gonna happen in the draft. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, I got Eli third, and I mean you know these things. Can you guess why I picked him third? It's his size. size. Yeah, yeah. He's six one, one ninety nine. He ran a four four. In the first round, teams do not like taking physical gambles. They don't like doing it, even though. So that's why Eric Kendricks, why he had the clear tape of a first rounder, he fell because he's a hurt guy. He was always hurt in college, and he didn't have a great body. Well, teams like to take guys who check all the boxes in the first round, right? And part of that goes back to the old Bill Parcell saying where, you know, if you start making exceptions for small and slow guys, you're going to have a team full of small and slow players. Um, That's why you don't do that in the first round. And that's why I got Eli above McKenzie. He's three inches taller than McKenzie and weighs 10 pounds more. And I got him ahead of Jackson. He's an inch taller than Jackson, 10 pounds heavier. And he's just as fast as both those guys. Uh, and he's young. You know, he's young for a prospect. He's, God, I think he just turned 21, or he's turning 21 this year. So, Eli's got a good physical trait. He's long for the position. He's a physical prototype. And, again, he's young. 
he's really young. He's a guy that the NFL teams are going to be attracted to because he can be mold, molded. Um, I've seen different things about their his his willingness and toughness to come up and stop the run, but the tape I saw, he seemed to be willing to uh, hold up and run support, and he's and he's got good size to do it. Uh, his technique is inconsistent. He needs to be coached up, but um, I think he's got the hips, the length, and the feet to be a good corner. And, uh, he, he just needs to go to a good program. I think he needs to go to a good program, good uh, good secondary coach. Kansas um, City would actually be a pretty good fit yeah. for him. But it, look, is Eli the football player William Jackson is from a production standpoint? No. But it's that size, man. You know, in the first round, that really does matter. Okay, so you've got I've got your three, four, fives with Eli Apple, Mackenzie Alexander, William Jackson. I'm guessing and I'm assuming here Vernon Hargraves is your number one. I don't want to spend too much time on him because there's no chance he's there when the Chiefs pick. He's amazing. He's a ridiculous no, player. I, really? I got Ramsey. I got Ramsey ahead of oh, him. okay. Okay. So you're putting Ramsey at corner instead of safety. Yeah, I'm put, yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. Okay. Um, just because just Ramsey's a physical freak, dude. Like a six one, two hundred nine pound corner with the athleticism to stay, that's Patrick Pierce and stuff. And yeah, like, and so like, not only does that show on the field, but he tested out at it too. So you know he's going top five. <laughs> like again, like the test and stuff really matters. Um, now, does it concern me with Ramsey that there wasn't a lot of ball production? Yeah, all right. So don't call him Charles Woodson. He ain't Charles Woodson, and he ain't. He damn sure ain't Deion Sanders. But this guy's good, and. Um, yeah, he and I like Vernon too. Uh, Vernon's a little thick for a corner, though. In the lower body, he's like two hundred and four pounds at only five ten. So that typically concerns you. But then you turn on the film and you watch him. He's smooth, with yeah. good feet. He's really smooth, really smooth. Very he's the athletic. smoothest of all these guys that I watched. Very, very smooth. Got a real good knack for the position. He's a plug and play type. Um, he's played both press and off man. He'll tackle you. I think it was Alabama. I think I saw him calling. He came in there and laid it, laid the wood on somebody. Um, got some return skills, too. I gave him a grade of 7.1. That means I think he's a top-10 pick. Yeah, I think uh, I think you can pull the trigger on him as early as 8 and feel good about it. Love Vernon Hargraves. Very, very good player, man. Very good player. Last corner, and this is a guy that I, I hate the word moving up boards because these boards aren't changing. It's just we're learning more about them. Right. Uh, Artie Burns from Miami, I haven't watched him yet. Have you seen him, and what did you think if you did? I'm an Artie Burns guy. Um, I think Miami guys have, haven't been coached well um, just because of Al Golden and his staff, and they had these guys playing a two-gap in system. <laughs> They had these guys playing a two-gap in system. These guys from Miami who are used to shooting gaps and using their quickness and playing man coverage, playing all this off-man zone coverage. It, it, that's a – look, most <laughs> of the time, it, it, it's frustrating to watch because you look at Artie Burns like this is a Florida dude, man. Great size, great physicality. This is a man cover guy. He looks the part. You, when he, you, know, when he, when he, you know what I mean? When he – when you when you see him on the field, he looks the part. He's just really inconsistent, but I think he just needs good coaching. Big, fast, has ball production too, man. He can go get the ball in the air. I saw him make a ridiculous interception. Uh, I can't remember who it was against. Um, he's had bad film too, like his Clemson tape was bad. But um, I, I like Artie Burns. I've got a high second round grade on him. I think uh, I think you can I think you can always gamble on a big, fast corner. 
that's a little raw early in the second round just because he's got the physical traits to be a good football. And he's got ball production. Again, he had six interceptions last year, so I'm, I'm in on Artie. Yeah, I need to check him out. I, I need to watch that tape here pretty soon. I, to, to I got of... a guy I'd like you to look at, though. Yeah, who? Um, take, take, this is a guy I'm conflicted on because, you know, Marcus Peters taught us a lot about the importance of ball production. Look at Zach Sanchez from Oklahoma. Um, you're going to turn on the film and be like, uh, where's the athleticism? You know what I mean? You, but, like, this dude had seven interceptions last year, and um, – <laughs> he he's just had unbelievable ball production in his career. He's got a knack for making plays. So just I'm not saying I like him that much. I just if you like Marcus Peters and you like ball production, um, I'd, I'd be interested to know what you think. Yeah, I'll, I'll check him out as well. Uh, let's do some receivers, Therese, because I think this group's fascinating to me because all of them are kind of jumbled, and it just kind of depends on what you're looking for. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll, let's start with Laquan Treadwell because it's going to be the unpopular opinion that I've got here. I'm out on Laquan Treadwell, man. Like at 28, I'll take him. Don't get me wrong, but there's yeah. there's talk of him as a top 10 guy. I just no. I don't see it. Like he he doesn't separate enough for me. He, no. I, I just don't. I'm not in on the top 10 thing. He's not a top 10 guy. He doesn't run fast enough to go in the top 10. So that's not. I don't think that would happen. Like anything anything can happen in football. But I, I'd be surprised just because he's not. He doesn't run. He can't run fast. Um, but as a football player, as a first-round pick, yeah, I got a first-round grade on him. Dude, this dude, he doesn't separate from guys. This guy's an NFL possession receiver, good route runner, big hands, good hands. Uh, Laquan's a good football player. Um, and he's got he, – he's just got – some guys just have a knack for the position. You know, speed doesn't mean everything. Some guys just have a knack for the position. He's got unbelievable catch radius, almost 34-inch arms, natural hands. Um, he's just got a good feel for getting open. Let me tell you something though. If he fell to twenty eight, yeah, take it. About taking, but but here's why though too, because like when you're putting together a group of receivers, you, you don't want like you don't want them all to be the same guy type of guy. It's you know? the basketball team theory, right? Exactly, right. Yeah, you're yeah. trying to build a basketball team. So who's their big post up guy? You know, who's the guy that they can dump it into the post and, and get big? You know, get just get you some. Because he's a who's your third and eight guy? Who's your third and five guy? Um, Macklin can do everything. Macklin's an unbelievable player. He's a number one player. He's a number one. He's a number one receiver and one of the most underrated receivers in this league. First of all, but maybe it's Rod Streeter. I, I like him. I like him a lot. But you get a chance to draft a guy like Treadwell. He's a power forward. You know what I'm saying? You know, he's maybe Streeter's your center and Treadwell's your power forward. You get what I'm saying? I it just. All of a sudden, if you drafted Treadwell, you've got, like, different receivers that can do everything. You've got your number one star. You've got your center. You've got your power forward. You've got your small forward and Conley. And then you got your shooting guard and Albert Wilson. Or You know, or you, you get what I'm saying. It, it, yeah. It's just a bunch of receivers that can do different things. So, I'm out on him as a number one, as a top ten pick. I got a, I got a, a late first-round grade on him. I think that's a good fit. And I'm glad you brought up receivers because there are some good receivers yeah um there are some guys here man that you the Chiefs could take like any of them like, there's four guys that could take in the first round and you could defend it and they might all be there too that's the thing but Therese, i gotta I, okay i'm gonna give you some of these measurables and you tell me if you can figure out who i'm talking about all right this guy's within the last i think yeah within the last 10 years a wide receiver prospect pretty good player in the nfl you're 6 221 mm-hmm. 33 and 5 8 inch arms. He ran a 4 5, 
He had a vertical of 33 inches, a 6'8", three-cone. Does that sound like anybody in this draft class, first of all? And then tell me who you think that was in the past. 6'2", 221? Mm-hmm. That sounds like Dwayne Bowe. Yeah. Now, uh-huh. what do you think Laquan Treadwell measured in it? The, the, the measurables are there, but Bo always had issues with focus drops. Though. Yeah. Um, it, and Treadwell, Treadwell does. Yeah, Treadwell is a cat. That guy's a nasty. So basically, I mean, if you want to say he's Dwayne Bo without the focus drops, I'll take that every day of the week. That's like, what I'm saying. Like Dwayne, Bo, Dwayne Bo's got it physically, bro. Dwayne Bo ain't never had a problem physical, okay? If you're giving me Dwayne Bo with with superior hands, I'm taking it. Like, that dude can play, man. See, that's the thing that I'm saying. Like, I, I'm taking that at 28, absolutely. The problem is Laquan Treadwell not as explosive, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so you've got the same thing without the drops, but you also have to take into account that he's a little slower now than Bo was when he came into the league. What, what do you think of Treadwell's field speed? Does it didn't flat – faster than his track speed ultimately was, yes. Um, but he, he, probably like on tape, I would have told you a low four sixes, probably. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. So uh, let me ask you this. I'm assuming you like Corey Coleman more than him, right? Yes and no. I, Ooh, really? He, he, okay. He, here's the thing. Okay. So Corey Coleman, it's the Baylor wide receiver thing, but yeah. I mean the dude in every single metric possible and I hate making these comparisons because you never know what they're going to be two, three, four years from now. But like his measurables tell you Odell Beckham, but I don't think he's Odell Beckham, and there's a lot of reasons for that. So I like Corey Coleman, but I'm also terrified by Corey Coleman. I I think when the tape, when the athletic, when the when God, I sound like one of these NFL guys now, <laughs> and all this putting all this emphasis on the tape and matching that with the testing. But all right, so look, man, when the when the tape matches testing matches the testing like it does with him, I don't have a lot of concerns. Now I got him, I got him ahead of Treadwell, and you being said, no, I don't have any receiver in this draft with um, higher than a late first round grade. I got him right. and I got him and Treadwell. With the same grade, um, I got Dotson with a low first, and I got Fuller with a low first. I love Fuller, dude. That's um, my guy. That's my guy. <laughs> Actually, no, I got Fuller with an early second, just because you know uh, he's got a little hands and a small catch radius. Mm-hmm. Um, but because you know, but you could defend it. You know that ain't a, that ain't a big reach to go with Will Fuller in the late first round. Uh, I like Dotson from TCU. Um, you know, there's, there's guys, man. There's there's going to be some guys, and Fuller, I think Fuller might be there. Yeah. Fuller's an unbelievable deep, deep threat. I mean, that guy can really stretch it. I mean, he can stretch it good. Do you think um, uh, Do you think that's kind of redundant with co- what Conley brings, though, and, and with what Alex bit, Smith brings? That's, that's the problem a little bit. Yeah. Like, do we really need two deep ball threats for Alex Smith? I don't think so. I think you'd be better off getting them with a possession guy, a treadwell, or Josh Dodson. What about uh, Michael? Dotson's T- not, sorry, Dotson's not a burner. That's just real quick. Dotson's not a burner, but he's got big hands. He got giant hands for a receiver, mm-hmm. almost ten inches. Um, and this dude showed unbelievable comfort catching the ball passes during combine drills, which matches what you see on tape. Josh Dotson's going to be a good possession receiver in this league. So I'd almost rather see him take. If I were a Chiefs fan, I'd almost rather see him take Treadwell and Dotson or Dotson rather than another fast guy like Coleman or Fuller. Um, 
Michael Thomas from Ohio State you were about to get to. Yep. Uh, another guy, with a, he's actually got enormous, almost 11-inch hands. And, like, that matters for receivers, catching wet balls and that stuff. Like, it's not the end-all, be-all, but, like, it matters. Um, big, strong guy. I saw him abuse uh, Kendall Fuller from Georgia Tech. Michael Thomas is a big guy at 6'3", 212. I got, a, I got an early second-round grade on him. Uh, I think he's a good football player, and I think uh, I think um, I like him. I like him a lot. Dude, if the Chiefs get Michael Thomas at that number 28 pick, I will be ecstatic. Like that, that guy, that guy can play. I mean, he can take a. He's one of those guys that can take a screen pass and he'll go 65 yards with it just by beating one man. Like he's, I, I love Michael Thomas. You like Thomas? Yeah, I, I have number one. Yeah, I, I, I would take him as the number one receiver in this draft. Like I, I know nobody seems to agree with me on that, but I loved what I saw from him. Interesting. Okay. Well, that's the thing, man. This is uh. This is definitely nothing wrong with having opinions, man. It's uh, this is definitely not a. Uh, it's definitely you know, it's, no one knows. Right. <laughs> basically, no one knows. That's what that's, that's, cool, that's, that's what I love about it. Nobody knows right now. In a few years from now, we'll see who what what we hit on, what we missed on, and try to evaluate based on that. Like a lot of people last year missed on Marcus Peters. Now we got to change the way we kind of look at it because of that. Like you said earlier, with the ball skills, like that's really important. And so now we look mm-hmm. at it this year, and we, we emphasize that. Um, Therese, I want to get your thoughts on these DNs, some of these D-tackle, DN, 3-4 hybrid type of guys, uh, because you've been given the Chiefs uh, Chris Jones in your latest mock draft. W- what do you like about him? Because he's an intri- intriguing prospect with just his size and speed and athleticism. I don't know that he necessarily put it all together on film at all times, but he's intriguing if nothing else. No, he didn't. And I mean, I, again, I... I'm doing what I think – I'm picking what I think they might do. Would I take him there? No. But he is a – he's a he's got a good – I probably wouldn't, but he's got, like, a really good mix of, like, physicality. He's a giant guy, 6'6", 3'10". Really good athleticism. Just like Vernon Butler from Louisiana Tech. Mm-hmm. Both those guys just need to be coached up. And I think they both got position versatility along the interior. can play the three. Um, you play the nose, you play the five tech. So that that's all that's based on. I think um, you know he's just got a really good blend of physical skills and um, size, and I, I think that matters. But the the trick of it is that there are a lot of really good tackles in this draft. So like some of it's just you know projection, but I mean it could take any. Uh, there, there. I mean there's a. Jeez, man. I mean there's like. I mean there's like five or six interior guys that could go in the first round. I mean, this is a great interior defensive line draft. Um, Robert Kimdiche, uh, this is a guy that I always think about, something you told me last year when we talked, which is I need to know how much you love football, and if you don't love football, I can't have you on my football team. Does he fit in that criteria? Like, Do, do you think right now Robert Kimdiche loves football? I have no idea if he loves football. Um and I, you know, one thing I, one thing I learned from the Peters thing, and I will say this: I had a first round grade on Peters. I just, yeah, I tried to take in, I, just, I had to, I, had, I tried to take into account the off field stuff, which I don't know. And that was again, you learn as you go, right? So like I'm just not, I'm not putting as much of an emphasis on that this year, just because I don't have the information that I need to make a good decision about that. The big difference between Peters and Kim DJ. Is that? And, but here's the thing: I don't know if you could have known that Peters loved football the way he does, unless you were a scout last year. You know what I'm saying? Right. I, you could watch him and be like, "Man, he's really into it." But like, 
at the same time, being dismissed from your college team um, <laughs> your last season isn't just for arguing with the staff. It's like most of the time guys who love football want to stay on the team. Yeah. And you know they gave him plenty of chance. But my point is, like, I don't know if Kim D.J. loves football, but i tell you this, if they think he does, um, Chiefs wouldn't be a bad spot for him. Because this guy's got the the measurables and talent to go in the top ten. He's going to fall because there's questions about his character. And this is a really good locker room. He'll be nurtured. Like, you put him in that defensive line room with, um, you know, Jay Howard and Poe and Bailey. This is a tight-knit group. Those are good dudes, too, man. Those are solid cats. They'll take care of him. They'll look out for him. Plus, it's Kansas City. You know, this isn't New York or anything. They're not like 20 beat writers here. There's only a few. Media, you know, it, it's a, it can be a safe haven in some ways for some people, um, just because like there's just not as much attention on being on on the Chiefs as there are in other NFL pro cities. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. My point is like, and then he's got Andy Reid, who's got a reputation for a being willing to take a chance on guys and b being a good coach for him, meth mission like care and discipline. So um, if they they think that he does love football and he's there, he is absolutely a guy that that'd be a fit because. When he plays, I mean, just turn on the Bama tape. When yeah. he when he plays, and if he loves football, he's gonna play because they all want to get paid that money. Okay, um, if if they're comfortable with that, and I have no idea if they are, if they're comfortable with that, that could be an option. I go back and forth on him, man. I I, I like some of his tape a lot, and then there's others where I'm like, oh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I just think yeah. Denver, Kansas City, Seattle. I think he got it. He's got to end up in one of those places because if he does, he's going to be good. Like I think he will, based on the infrastructure that is in those three cities. I, I just go back and forth on him so so much. For sure, um, he needs the right infrastructure for sure. And John, he needs to go to a team that wins. Like they, he needs to. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? To keep him invested. I, and there's, you know, like I. There's, I mean, there's no way to corroborate this, but they say he's like kind of a weird dude too. Like, I, you know what? I actually interviewed him four years ago when I was a Missouri beat writer. Really? We did our SEC, yeah, when we did our SEC series or whatever. Um, that's actually pretty funny. I just remembered that. Yeah, I did a story about Missouri trying to get talent in the state of Georgia, and I was in Georgia, and I went up to his high school and talked to him. Um, he, it was early in the morning, uh, but he, he seemed he seemed cool. I kind of liked him. He was a uh, he's an interesting dude. But you could tell even by then he'd done so many interviews. He was tired of that. Um, but I actually came away liking him. So, for what it's worth. But hey, I, I like it. Uh, the one other guy, Therese, that I love on the D end uh, unit, Jonathan Bullard. Man, I watch this dude's tape and he like he flashes. He he looks the part. Like. He's tall, he's big, he's strong, he's athletic, he can get down the line. I I know a lot of people aren't talking about him as a first-round pick right now, but if the Chiefs yeah. picked him at 28, I I would not be disappointed by that one. Yeah, Buller's a good football player, too, because he's, he's got the real look of a three, like a legit 3-4 defensive end. Mm-hmm. Some of these other guys I've been projecting to them are like interior, like noses, ones, and threes, right? But this dude, like is a, he is a five-tech all the way. Okay, um, you know he'll set the edge on you. He's a big guy. He's got long arms. Um, you know, uh, he he he's a three four defensive end. He can stop the run a little bit. He's got some uh, got some power. Um, I think he needs to get a little better as a pass rusher. Okay, um, I think he's got to develop a little bit there. But this guy's a run defender. You know what I mean? And I mean, and, and Brian, this is here's another guy. 
that's all in that mix. There's a, again, there's a lot of interior guys that would be worthy. Of this. this is a great interior draft, mm-hmm. man. He's one of them. He's definitely one of them. Uh, last thing that I've got for you, Therese, the safeties. Um, it, they, they've got to find somebody, right? Like they, I, I don't know if it's in the first round, the third, the second round, the fifth round, wherever, but yeah. they've got to find somebody to re- replace Abdullah, right? Here's what I will say. They signed Stevie Brown, who's a hitter. They signed Jimmy Wilson, who can do some nip stuff and cover. But I don't know if I'm ready to fall for the okey-doke. I don't know if I'm ready to fall for that just yet. So they interviewed safeties at the combine. They interviewed some of them. I think they're going to end up taking one. That's just my opinion. And look, formal interviews matter at the combine. The Chiefs are one of the teams that tend to formally interview people at the combine they're interested in. Okay. And I've said this before. I think I said this earlier, man. Um, if you can have a single high guy that can clean up mistakes, it allows your defense to be more aggressive and it makes it really hard to move the ball on you. Carl Joseph is a good football player, mm-hmm. um, and he's got great football character from what, I, from what I've heard and what I can tell. Um, he loves football. Um, you know, this is a guy you ain't got to worry about that part of it. You know, he's going to be all in on it. And Eric, say, Eric Berry, is a, he had a great season. And, like, you let him sniff around the box and do what he does best. He, he can cover. Like, he improved in cover this year because he got leaner. But, like, I mean, if you're talking about lean Eric Berry now, sniffing around the box, you know, doing some coverage, hitting people, and then you got a guy like Joseph, you know, wiping stuff all out. Um, I, I'm probably going to have a first-round grade on Joseph. Um, I think um, a little concern about the injury history a little bit mm-hmm. and durability because he's just not that big. But 5'10", 205 pounds, Randy, you told me, this team's ready to be a contender, and I agree. Well, get somebody in here that can come and help you immediately. And who cares about the durability six years from now? Like, who cares? For five years, this guy's got a chance to be a good football player. And uh, he hits you, too. Yeah. He hits you, too. That's the thing. I, I, I remember I was listening to Dane Brugler uh, on his podcast. And he, I thought one of the one of my favorite quotes from him from this year was he erases people. Like You go across the yeah. middle, and this dude just yeah. wipes you out. It, it's yeah. impressive. Yeah, I'm a I'm a I'm a Joseph guy. He's probably gonna be all juice. You know, you're talking about a captain, a guy who's I'm I'm sure that's a surprise to you. You couldn't tell by the way I was talking <laughs> about him. Um, I love Carl Joseph, and I think I I don't know if I'm ready to fall for the okie doke on them signing Stevie Brown and Jimmy Wilson. It's just really good insurance um, in case they can't land Joseph. Because maybe they don't like Joseph. I don't know. I don't know what they're gonna do, but um, I just think that he'd be a good fit for this defense. And here's the thing, like. You say, well, they invested big money in Ron Parker. Well, good, because they're going to need somebody to potentially play nickel. Right. Now, now <laughs> you put Philip Gaines on the outside. You've got him next to Peters. Put uh, put uh, put that dude in the in the nickel, and boom, Ron Parker in the nickel, and you're pretty yeah, good to go. And then Nelson has insurance. Even Nelson has insurance mm-hmm. on either outside position. And then if you really need to, you can play Parker back at corner if you need to. That's my thing, like. They have a lot of ability. They, have, they like versatile guys. They've got versatile guys. There's a lot they can do, man. All right, Therese, final thing for you before we get you out of here. You mentioned the all-juice team. Do you have any other contenders right now? I know that's going to be out in a while, but who who else are you looking at right now that's saying they're kind of a finalist for it? Um, Jackson's got a chance to make it. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. 
<laughs> Will Jackson, I like Will, man. Will's good. Again, like my rankings, uh, this year I tried to be more where I think they'll go. You know uh-huh. what I'm saying? I'm just trying to assess the, the grades of where I think they'll be taken um, and not make it so Chief-centric. Um, Jalen Smith, I, I named Jalen Smith to the All-Juice team a, like two years ago. Like He, he, he was, he was going to be on this team. Um I'm a, I'm a I'm a Jalen Smith guy. Um, yeah, I just I think the guy. Yeah, he's a new age linebacker. Miles Jack is the same way. Um, and, and in general, like I'm just trying to. I always I've always tried to do a nice job of like blending, you know, guys that are first round picks and then maybe some sleeper type guys too. Um, I, I think, uh, yeah, I think uh, Miles Jack obviously got a chance to make. I like Miles Tate. Miles is a new age linebacker in the days NFL man. Um, that that's for sure. And uh, this may be a sleeper corner I kind of like is Eric Murray from Minnesota. He's just kind of a prickly, competitive guy, you know. Um, I, I just love seeing that, you know what I'm saying? Um, and, I, look, the team is a 22-man team, so I'm not going to give it all right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> I uh, uh, There's, there's going to be some guys that I like, and I'm also trying to refine the process, too, just trying to balance how many – Bigger name guys I want, but I'm smaller name guys. I'm gonna figure it out, but um, you can expect that the week of the draft. So what in a couple weeks? Yeah, yeah you can expect that then. We're almost here, man. It, it is it is right around the corner. Uh, Therese Paler has been our guest. I've taken up way too much of his time already. Uh, you can read his work in the Kansas City Star online, KansasCity.com. Check out the podcast I told you about. It really is awesome stuff. Uh, Sports Beat KC. You can check that out on iTunes. Search it on Google. You'll find it. Uh, Therese Paler on Twitter as well. Therese, I always appreciate it, man. I always enjoy talking a little football with you, and thanks so much for spending some time with us. A couple things. Just uh, haven't done a podcast in a little bit because I've kind of been away um, just uh, taking, just doing other stuff, but there will be another podcast soon about the draft, so look for that. And also, man, congratulations on your new thing, man. I'm uh, looking forward to seeing how you do well for it. I'm sure you do well. Hey, I appreciate that, man. And uh, St. Louis doesn't have a football team anymore. I don't know if you've heard. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll probably be giving you a call at some point during the season. Yeah, for sure, brother. I got you. All right, man. Appreciate it, Therese. All right, man. See you.